Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Film Frequency Dojo. Your sensei bros today will be Master Hayes and Master JB. Prepare to earn your black belt in Padrati. What was that you were doing on those stumps over there? Called crane technique. Does it work? If to right, knock and defense. Could you teach me? Uh, first learn stand, then learn fly. Nature rule, Danielson, not the mind. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode. You know, stop it. Stop. That's too formal. You are now welcome to the Film Bros Dojo. We're here to discuss a retrospective on Karate Kid. God damn it, JB. Are you ready to talk about one of the all-time best movies ever? I am ready, Hayes-san. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about this movie. But before we do that, bro, we got to talk about just, just one news item because I'm really excited to jump into this. So... As we know, COVID cases have been on the rise again, spikes in certain areas of the country. Uh, so a couple of movies got pushed back even further. Tenet pushed back its release date another two weeks. Um, so now it's back a month after its initial release. Wonder Woman, I think, pushed back again. Uh, there's there's Mulan pushed back again. So there's there's you know, and there's now growing concern that the movie theaters may not be able to reopen to the to the capacity they thought they were going to. I believe AMC said that they thought by the end of July. Uh, 90% of their movie theaters are going to be open. Well, now when you have cities like Dallas that are having like 1,500 new cases in one day, that's going to definitely put a hampering in that. And kind of another thing that I want to talk about, another aspect I want to talk about this as well before I turn it over to you, JB, is AMC has already said that they may not survive this. This came from an executive at AMC that they'll be able to reopen, but they're not sure if they're going to be able to survive this and stay independent. So now, with the potential that this that releases the uh, movie theaters reopening may get pushed back even more, how do you dissect all of this? How do you feel about all this news to come out, JP? Yeah, it's it's crazy, but it's kind of expected. I mean, we talked about it a little bit before in in previous um, episodes that we've done. It doesn't come as a shock, really, and. I, I kind of had a feeling Tenet would be pushed back. I think it's going to be pushed back even more. Mm. I think this is just a start. I mean, the COVID cases are ramping up in some states. My state in particular, I'm in Florida. We had 5,000 cases the other day. Then a couple of days ago, we had 9,000, which broke the record for a single day in cases for anywhere in the country. That's crazy. So, yeah, so it's, you know, the more the more and more those cases ramp up the less and less we're going to see things open up because number one, people are not going to want to go out because they're just terrified. Yep. And number two, the, 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 uh, the movie theaters, they're not going to want to open because at the end of the day, it's a business. They have to get some revenue coming in as well. They don't want to open and then no one shows up or worse yet. Someone goes there, they get sick and then that's horrible for publicity wise. That's, that's another good point as well, JB. Um, I, I just, I, and I know economy and I know all the people who are, who are thinking about that and, you know, you should. But I really think we're going to get to a point to where they're going to say, look, until January 1st, just shut all the shit down. <laughs> you I think, mean, yeah, just look at it like you have the basketball season reopening and some and a po another podcast that I listened to that made a great point. Well, God knows is that is that while the players are forced to stay on that property for those two weeks, right, they're, they're supposed to stay in that bubble. The Disneyland employees aren't going to be in that bubble. They, they're not forced to stay on the property. They're going to be able to go home when their shift's over and everything. So you have a chance to introduce um, 
COVID cases that way. And then Disneyland itself is also planning on reopening to the public around the same time. How, like, all of this and you think it's going to stay safe? Like, you might as well let the players just do whatever the fuck they want to at that point. Like, and we've had a lot of a lot of players recently come out uh, with with saying they, that they uh, were asymptomatic, but they did have uh, – were diagnosed with COVID. It's just – I don't know, man. I'm excited for movie theaters to reopen. I'm excited to try to get back to life as normal as we can. But at the same time, it just seems like we're rushing this and we're going to more people are going to get sick and ultimately lose their, lose their lives because we're just trying to reopen too soon. Yeah, it's it's really crazy. And I mean, I don't I don't really know what what's going to happen. And I mean, I've had this theory and I've me and my wife have talked about this a lot. There's no rhyme or reason to this theory. It's just something made up. But from day one, when this happened, just in my head, I kept on saying, I think this is going to die down a lot come October. Don't ask me why I said October. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why I said it. But from day one, you know, back in like December, January, I kept on saying this is going to be a big thing until October. So I'm holding firm to that. Again, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no conspiracy theory. It's just a, just something that came to my head. If this happens, I'm going to be playing the lotto the next day. <laughs> I guess we'll see, bro. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll see. But. You know, I, I don't want to bog it down too much for talking about COVID because that shit gets a lot of people depressed and I am one of them if I talk about it too yeah. much. So let's go ahead and move in to talking about this amazing film. So we are here to start our retrospective. We're actually going to be doing Karate Kid 1, 2, and 3. Somebody actually messaged me and said that we're going to be doing the new Karate Kid also since Mr. Miyagi was in it. We haven't talked about that one, but we'll, I don't know, I guess we'll make that decision. Well, as long as we don't do the one with Jaden Smith. That's all I got to well, say. Well, I was going to say, is it, isn't that technically... Oh, you're, when you say The New Karate Kid, you mean the actual title of the yeah, movie? Yeah, the actual... Okay, with Hillary Swank. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, we'll, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll think about it. We're definitely doing the first three. Definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. The remake, there's no there's no way in hell you guys can get me to review that shit with Jaden Smith and Jackie Chan. I'm just letting you know right now, there's it's not fucking happening. There we go. Yeah. That's out of the picture. Don't ask about it. But... Enough, enough of me talking about that bullshit ass movie. Let's discuss what we hear, what we're here to discuss. So let's. I think most of the time when we talk about um, old school movies, we always have to talk about the nostalgia, right? Like, go back to like when we first seen it, some of our first memories. What was, what's your earliest memory of the Karate Kid? Man, um, it's definitely in New York, and I remember, I remember in New York, and for those of you who grew up in New York, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, in the 80s and 90s, uh, Channel 11 in New York City was called, I think it's still called WPIX, and every Saturday, they would always have a movie at 8 o'clock, 8 p.m., and I think my first time ever seeing this movie was on a Saturday night, and they played Karate Kid Part 1, and um, obviously growing up, I've seen it a million more times. It's on, you know, it was on TBS and mm-hmm. like you see it like every couple of weeks now. Yeah. I, and the funny thing is like my, my memory it, seeing the karate kid and this came out before I was born, which I didn't even like, it's been so ingrained in my life that I just mm-hmm. assume that it's just been around since I've been around. But the first one, this one came out in 1984, which is actually two years before I was born. Um, and it's funny that a movie that's older than me, I've literally can remember like the first time I watched it, at least I'm sure I probably was sitting on my dad's lap watching it when I was a baby and didn't know. But this is the movie that made me want to study karate. Like I have a, a lot of people don't know this. I have two black belts and two different types of martial arts. But this is what started. This is what made me want to learn martial arts. And this is something that me and my father watched. And a lot of times when you hear me talk about movies is me and my dad, because that was our thing that we bonded. We bonded over. And I just remember 
burning the shit out of this this VHS, bro. That's all I can remember. Like it stayed in my room because there was no purpose in it going anywhere else in the house because I always watched this fucking movie. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I didn't see the uncut movie until like later on because it was always being shown on regular television. So like, I think there's like one or two scenes where there might have been like some some like uh, language, not necessarily crazy language like the F word or anything like that. But I didn't see the the actual full uncut until like years later. So when I would watch it on TV, there's some certain parts that they kind of black out or whatever. But yeah, um. I, I'm, I'm, it sucks. I can't remember the first time I watched it. I, I really don't. But I, I've seen it so many times. So who knows? It's all a blur at this point. Yeah, it all starts blurring together when it's something that's that's throwback like this. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, let's let's any any other nostalgic moments that you want to point out before we get into the actual. Uh, reviewing the movie itself. Um, I'm sure I have a bunch of nostalgic stuff, but as we go through, I'm sure different things will pop up at different points and and you know stuff like that. All right. So let's jump into the story of <laughs> of Daniel and him like okay so this movie starts off it starts off in a weird way because like it's just like them driving off right is that like that's the opening scene um and we don't really get to know, we don't know why they're driving off what they're escaping from or anything like that and i think like it kind of puts you in the mindset of like him because like he's going to an unknown place and it's just we're just jumped right into into it. Like, what do you think about Dan- Daniel and his mom and everything like it, them just getting to where they're going in California? Yeah. So that's like the opening scene. I mean, we don't find out until a little bit later in the movie, a few minutes later, uh, the purpose of I think they're moving from Jersey to California. Mm-hmm. And um, also, it's completely unrealistic that they drove from Jersey to California with that vehicle. There's no way you're talking like 40 plus hours of driving. Probably that, that I call bullshit on that. Anyway, number two. Um, Apparently, I think they moved to California because the mom was looking for better job opportunities. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you kind of feel for Daniel uh, because he kind of – actually, it's, I thought about you in a way. And I'm going to tell you why in a second because uh, his mom moved without even talking to him. And he was kind of like pissed off like, hey, you didn't even discuss discuss with me about the move. I know you were, you know, a military kid growing up. Mm-hmm. Your your pops, obviously, I'm sure, didn't come to you and be like, yeah, Cordero, uh, do we have permission to go from, you know, A to B? So what was it like for you to move from, from place to place? Because you kind of relate to Daniel in this sense. I mean, I think for me, though, it, it's different in the sense that my parents didn't even have decision over it, right? Like, you, you, they just got, they got assigned and stationed places. So we all found out as a family and all dealt with that and being in a new place together. Um, and it wasn't like somebody just dictate. Well, other than the the U.S. government dictating where we were moving, um, but I think also like we had a different like. So we were in Italy for eight years. So we didn't like some families moved every four years. We were lucky to get restationed a couple of places a couple of times. So I didn't I didn't move around as much as some military kids, but I did move around more than than your average American. And it's just like I don't know. For me, it it, it became like this sense of excitement, right? For me, like it was never like this thing where I hated it or anything like it just because I grew up in it. It was like I knew we were going to leave eventually. And I was always excited. And we always stepped up places like <laughs> from Germany to Italy. It was like, yeah, who who doesn't want to be in Italy? So I, I had a positive experience with that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, before we go deep into the movie, I just have a couple of numbers like, you know, we kind of like to do this. Just quick, come quick numbers. I wanted to go over. I'm um, starting with the budget. Uh, the budget for this film, this this shit completely 
shocked me. But the budget for this film is eight million, which is not a shocker. I mean, we're talking in nineteen eighty four here, yeah. eighty three, eighty four. So yeah. that's good money. What they made is just ridiculous, ninety one million dollars. And I know that doesn't count also for like DVD sales, VHS sales, et cetera, et cetera. That's just box office. Almost a, like over a hundred million, a hundred times, uh, you know what it or not a hundred, but I should say ten times what the budget was. What do you think about that? How crazy is that, bro? Um, and you, you like you said that uh, that uh, box office is just a small part. When you think about everything that the Karate Kid has meant merchandise wise and Merch. everything and, D- and VHS and DVD sales, like they have got to be one of the most profitable movies of all time. When you think about that. And I just did a quick Google. So $8 million, the budget back then is still right. a less than $20 million budget now. So look Which at some like of the nothing. movies that are made for $20 million. And if they would like, that's, that's incredible, man. Incredible. The, there's some movies right now that, that are on $20 million budgets that don't make $91 million. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just, that's just crazy, man. Uh, yeah. And speaking about additional revenue in 1985, also just by doing some research really quick in 1985, this movie was actually the number one rental. Obviously rentals don't mean shit now, but yeah. back in those days, rentals were huge. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe for 1984 gr- box office gross wise, I believe this was number f- five or six total. Um, so it was one of the top movies of 1984, which, which you know, kind of says, you know, just look, look at the ratings and you'll see. I mean, IMDb, I think it was like a 7.2. Rotten Tomatoes, who shits on like every movie, gave it like an 88% Rotten Tomatoes score, which is just crazy. That's yeah. crazy. I would really like to see how like some of the other movies that came out around this time, how they have aged. Um, like, do you do you know off the top of your? You said this was number five for that year, right? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, I'm gonna look it up in a second. But um, I I did also want to ask you another question, if you didn't mind. Yeah, sure. So so because we're talking a lot about like rentals and how much money they've made over the course of what is it, thirty plus years now? Mm-hmm. Do you think? And we we have this discussion a lot when we do retro movies. How has this? Because I know me personally, I've seen a lot of movies that I loved back in the day. And I watched them now, and I was like, "What in the world was I thinking?" For me, this movie has aged well. What about you? For me, yeah, uh, you know, even though I didn't, this isn't a movie that I necessarily needed to watch, rewatch because I feel like yeah. I know at the back of my hand. I rewatched this, and other than like the cars, not having cell phones, things like that, this movie has aged great. And I think, you know, it's it's coming of age stories usually always do age pretty well. Like I, I think, like when you look at this. The Breakfast Club, which I recently rewatched as well, has aged really good too. Like, I yes. think I think those movies when you like capture and it's very much of its time, it, it ages well because even like looking at this and seeing the technology, you're you're automatically taken back to this time frame where you're not even thinking like, oh, why don't why didn't Dan, Daniel's son pull out a, a cell phone because they've established it <laughs> very well. So like, yeah. Yeah, um, I just want to bring up uh, what you were asking about before. I'm just gonna read off really quick the top ten grossing films of '84. Okay, and honestly. I would say eight out of these ten, you you may uh, disagree. Eight out of these tens ended up being like really big films. Obviously, they all are big films because they're the top ten grossing. But number one grossing film of '84 is Beverly Hills Cop, which okay. was uh, almost a quarter billion dollars. Definitely that classic, is, absolutely. Yeah. Ghostbusters over two hundred twenty million. I think is a classic. I don't know if you agree or disagree. Oh, this is the first the one. original one. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom uh, one hundred seventy nine million. You can stop there right there. Gremlins, 153 million. Absolutely, too. I think that's that's yep. 
Then we have Karate Kid at, at 90 plus million. Police Academy, 81 million. And okay. I think their series has been classic. Yeah. Footloose is eh. 80 million Kevin Bacon. It's kind of eh. Romancing okay. the Stone, was I think, was with Michael Douglas. We actually had that on Betamax. I don't know why that's oh, something wow. for my mom and dad to answer. Um, 76 million. Star Trek 3. I know there's a lot of Star Trek fans. Uh, that was 76 million. And Splash, which I enjoy because I'm a Tom Hanks fan. Um, that did 69 million. So a few of those are gigantic names. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Were you going to ask about um, Rocky? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Rocky was uh, came out this year. I believe Rocky came out in '83. Because okay. while okay. I was reading this list, I'm okay. like, where the hell is Rocky? Okay. All right. Yeah, that's this is me. I'm like, wait a second. We have to have something missing on this list. All right, but and it's funny that all like like you said, all those most of those movies that you mentioned are all, didn't Terminator come out in '84 too? I'm surprised uh, that wasn't in the top ten. I'm gonna check it in a second. Uh, okay. Yeah, there was no Rocky movie and Terminator One, right? Yeah. Terminator One came out in '84. Wow. Well, let's see what the uh, that's crazy. Let's see what the um. The gross was because um, it wasn't in the top 10, which is that's crazy. 78, 78 million. But wow. I mean, though, wow. those things, wait a second. Terminator yeah. gross less than the Karate Kid the year that it came out. Bro, it gross less than Splash. That's wild, man. When you and Terminator is probably it has more sequels than any other movie on this list. No, hold up. Something is weird. How much did I, I said? How much? 74. Yeah. You know what? Um. And I know we're diverging here, but hey, we're fucking film film fanatics. So, because so actually, they made Terminator more made more than Splash. However, um, I'm curious to see. And you can just keep talking. The list that I gave just now of the top ten that's for domestic. Oh, oh okay. okay. Terminator did 78 worldwide. It's only 78 worldwide. Yeah, and and those films that I listed, those were all. So let's see. Uh, they did only 38 million domestic Terminator One. Wow, what that is mind-boggling, bro. I know, and it, we're we're gonna try to get it back on on Karate Kid, but we know, will. But but yeah, but that's that's just when you, when you when you think about it, um, that's crazy because Terminator is such like in the zeitgeist of films, like in the fact that Karate Kid and Karate Kid is too. But you just wouldn't think like the longevity of Term, like hell, we just got a Terminator sequel last year, so like, uh. That's just wild to me, man. That's crazy. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. But um, Terminator also held up as well. So that's true. That's true. It did hold up, hold up as well. So let's get back into the story of Danielson. Uh, but all right. So this movie, they they get into, uh, they move to California within the first day. Basically, uh, he mo- he goes to the beach. He meets Allie, who surprisingly enough, and I, I had never clicked in this till I'm rewatching it. She also played Clark Kent's mother in Smallville. Um. Which is just crazy to me, but um, um, I never, I never seen Smallville, but I've seen her in a. She was in uh, Leaving Las Vegas, uh, Nick Cage movie, and uh, she's been in a couple of things. I actually yeah. had a crush on her when I was younger. Oh yeah, I mean she was she was beautiful. Um, yeah, but he, he meets her at the beach, uh, impresses her with some soccer moves, um, listens to some songs, and immediately the shit hits the fan. I love how they really jump into this plot very early on, and he for some a kid who's already displaced to get their ass beat. Like the first two days that you're there is fucking amazing. What did you think about that part of it? Yeah, so um, yeah, I love how they ju- kind of jumped into. It. There was no like building up or whatever. Mm-hmm. He meets her on the beach, and you know he 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 found a friend, and they're they're playing soccer, and then he you know that's when you kind of first meet Cobra Kai as well, and he gets into the beef with them. Clearly, he started the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, I know we've talked about this in the past from other episodes and stuff like that. I feel Daniel brought all this shit upon himself and there's even been like 
like psychologists that came out and did their own theories. I mean, if we break it down, they are at they are at the beach. Okay, um, uh, Johnny and and uh, Elizabeth Shue's character. What was her name again in the in the film? Uh, Allie. Allie. Yeah. Allie and Johnny are having an argument. They've broken up. Daniel inputs himself in the situation. Why I don't know. He should have mind his business. He inputs himself in the situation. They get into an argument, and instead of walking away, he actually goes and attacks. He does. He does strike first. first. Yeah, he yeah. does strike first. Now, I'm not even talking about physically. He just rushes towards him. Yeah. So what? What happens? Johnny, in what I feel is nothing wrong, defends himself. He trips him. After he gets, uh, um, uh, um, Daniel gets up. Johnny, you know, knocks him down. Again, not punching him, just throwing him to the floor. Mm-hmm. What does Daniel do? He gets up and punches him. Then tries to be a bitch. He's like, "Okay, we're even." How is that even? He tripped you and you punched him. <laughs> Clearly, he's the bully here. <laughs> okay, let's 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 phrase this. And we've we've had this this not argument. We've had this conversation in the WWP in chat, which was the first time somebody actually brought it up to me. And then I researched like it on YouTube, and like there are a lot of people who agree with you. Now Johnny wasn't being completely like a. The girl said he didn't want to talk. He took her radio to force her to talk. Yes. Now Danny being trying to be a gentleman and defender was like, hey man, like like now I don't think he should have stayed out of it. I think he could he could have tried to like a man should defend a woman, right? But at the same time, agreed. At the same time, he did get physical first. You can't deny that at all. He did escalate the situation because Johnny, seemingly knowing he could beat Danny's ass, was just like, look, kid, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Like, I'm just going to keep pushing you down. Um, But I feel like Danny being new, he wanted to. Sorry, Johnny tried to walk away, too. And and the the funny thing is, is that. I, I agree with people saying that Johnny at this point isn't an outright villain because he's not. He's not. Like in this situation, he was a dick. He was very much a dick. But when it came to his interaction with Danny, he was trying to defend himself. Now he does things to be more antagonistic as the movie goes on. But in this initial interaction between the two, I, I call it a wash. They both they both were in the wrong in different ways. Like to say that to say that Danny should have just stayed out of it, I don't agree with because a woman was involved. But at the same time, you can see where Johnny was trying his best to not kick this kid's ass. <laughs> like, So let's go into the next issue. You want to continue delving into it or you want to go as it comes? No, let's go. Okay. The next scene that I can remember, correct me if I'm wrong, is it's the soccer tryouts. Yes. It's the soccer tryouts. Um, I forget the kid's name. Slides and hits him. Don't get me wrong. He slid on purpose. Mm-hmm. Now, again, his first reaction is violence. Threw the kid on the floor, punched him. The kid never punched him. That is true. <laughs> and, and and then the teacher, tell, the coach is like, yo, get out of here. And Daniel, with all his nerve and attitude, says, this school sucks. Bro, this is day one, probably the first period of the day. Day one, the first day of school. And you're already saying this school sucks? This kid got an attitude issue, bro. This he definitely he has a chip on his shoulder. Like, what, and we still don't know exactly what displaced him. We know that to to find better employment, but we don't know what his life was like before he he came to came to California and what caused that chip on his shoulder. But again, I can't disagree with you there. He did punch the kid in the face first. Like, I get being tripped and I get shoving at that point back and forth. But it's like Danny was just like, you know what, fuck it, and just <laughs> punched the kid in his face. And it was like, all right, he's lucky he only got away with getting with saying he couldn't make the team because. You get suspended from school, expelled if not if not anything else. Like, right. And then moving forward, it's the, the night of the dance, the the, the, the costume dance. Wait, wait, because before uh, the night something? of the dance, yes, before before the night of the dance, 
is when he went into the karate dojo. He saw that yeah. Johnny was was basically leading the class. He kind of smirked at him. He left to go eat dinner with his parents. Another kid from the class saw Danny in there eating with him, and then that was the same night they they made him go overboard with his bike. So let's not jump into the dance first, because before the dance is the time. Excuse me. They never made him go over. It's not their fault he was an idiot and he can't drive his bicycle. bicycle. No, bro. They completely, no. They guided him off, bro. They had people in front of him and on the side of him. That's not fair. That's not fair, bro. I mean, yeah, fine. But at this point, he's been antagonized to the point where he's like, okay, it's my turn now to to do a little bit of antagonizing. Okay, does that make it better? Does that make it better? No. Absolutely okay. not. So I'm saying, but I understand where he's coming from. So, so if we're if we're being fair and having a tally mark here, it's it's washed it's, at this it's, point. it's it's well, no, because I still okay. So what we gave we gave the the beach was kind of a, a wash. Did we give that okay. a wash? We gave that a wash. Uh, right. uh, Danny punching the kid in the face That's was completely soccer. on Danny. Even though he got yes. tripped, he didn't have to escalate it to a punch. And then. Them, them over. Okay, so yeah, yeah, it's a wash. Right okay, so let's go to the next scene. It's okay. a wash now. Okay. The next scene is the costume party. Uh huh. Halloween. My man Johnny is just rolling a blunt. Man, <laughs> his own business. This is Walkman. But again, Daniel antagonizes the situation, puts the hose inside, sprays him. Not only that, he messes with him. Number one. Number two, he gives Ali a weapon to trip them. That's assault that in any, any state. Okay. Number three, he causes a damn traffic accident, two, three, four car pileup. So, again, well, to me, this is all on Daniel. <laughs> and he probably ruined the blunt in the middle of all that. <laughs> the innocent bystander. The blunt yeah. in all of this is the innocent bystander. How dare you ruin good weed? And they're in California, so it was probably some really good weed. How dare blunt you? Blunt lives matter, bro. <laughs> Okay, okay. So what's the next one that we got? So that's on Daniel, correct? That's on Daniel. So now we're so we're three to now, two. Yeah, and then they beat the shit out of him. But also, I don't find that on them because that's revenge. No, but if we're keeping the same energy, as the young people say, okay, they, they, they didn't have to escalate to physical violence. Like, you can play a practical joke on somebody without it having to escalate to, to physical violence. I know, but at this point, they've been, you know, Johnny's been antagoni- antagonized so much, there's only so much a human being can take. <laughs> then, on top, what happens after that? Daniel gets an adult to <laughs> assault and abuse these kids. This man is their senior. Where's child abuse? I want to know how come no one called you the know what's funny? child abuse and- people. And watching, because you know when you're a kid and you see this, you're like, "Oh, he's defending Daniel. Daniel, it make, it makes more sense. He's defending he's Danny." The kids. But now I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, like, I have kids, and if a grown yes, man beat um, my son's ass, yes, I'm th- shooting you. you. Like I'm showing exactly. up. <laughs> like, also, I just want to say really quick on this scene, and I ne- I see this movie a thousand times, didn't realize until the watch through this time. Uh-huh. When when uh, Mr. Miyagi is beating the shit out of uh, Johnny, the his part of the scene goes like this. Johnny stances up. He punches him in the stomach, mm-hmm. and then he does an arm drag, and he chops him in the stomach. But in the next scene, Johnny has a black eye. Miyagi never hit him in the face, so mm. I, I don't know if that was a goof or what. Bad editing. Bad editing. I'm sure there was a take of that where he like elbowed him in the face or something. Okay, okay, that yeah. makes sense. So anyway, as you can see now, now not not only has Daniel antagonized this guy, now he's being Johnny's being abused. Physically abused. <laughs> and then on top of all of that, 
Daniel, that, okay, he, he got Miyagi to do his dirty work. Then mm-hmm. the next scene, he gets Miyagi to do more dirty work. To come, to, Johnny's minding his business at Cobra Kai, doing his thing, trying to release energy. Daniel brings his thug, Mr. Miyagi, with him. <laughs> Wait, we're calling Mr. Miyagi a thug now, bro? Yes. yes, he brings his thug, his goon, Mr. Miyagi, to Cobra Kai to challenge him. Well, I mean, what is that? Would you not have done the same thing? No. Yes. I went on went on his turf and challenged him. I'm not some thug. What is this blood versus bro, grips? That's some that's some bullshit. Cause you're an asshole. You would definitely. Have done that. I don't know, man. If you if you if if you you know you want to support that thug life, that's on you, bro. Hey, hey, thug life all day, every day. Uh, this is coming from the same person who. Never mind. Cause I I won't. <laughs> I told you the story of the time my daughter two pieced a guy up at a uh, at a church lock in, right? No, oh, you never told me. Oh that. my god! So she so again we're sidetracked, but this is the film, bros. We're brothers, so we talk about real life. So your niece Amaya, uh, there was a church like lock in or whatnot overnight. And keep in mind, I, I've taught her how to fight, like to defend herself. So, right. but she has this mindset of if anybody pisses her off or does anything that she can say, she's now self defending herself. She pieces them up bad. So there was this there was this kid like they were playing like some game and he knocked her he knocked her over, and so the guy who was like the the people who were who were watching the kids overnight says that before he could react to her falling down she was back up and gave the dude like a three piece combo and he was on the ground. Damn! <laughs> now, what did the guy do? What did the adult do? He said he he sent them to different parts of the church like one was downstairs one was upstairs the rest of the night or whatnot. But Amaya is no bro. When I tell you when it comes to fighting. She's no her. fucking joke, man. Like she hits me sometimes, play fight, and I'm like, God damn, what the fuck? Why'd you hit me so hard? Damn, yeah. she got like that dim mock from Bloodsport. Boy, she okay, but that's the soundtrack about my life. Listen, I'm a good parent. I promise to God I am. She just doesn't take no shit. But uh, let's keep it going. What? She's gonna be the next Miyagi. <laughs> she be telling her daughter like, Yo, kill him. <laughs> take his legs. Don't be so. Don't be surprised if your granddaughter's wearing skeleton costumes and shit. Oh shit, man, that's hilarious, bro. That's hilarious, man. Yeah. So as you can see, there's numerous things here, and we can go on and on and on of how, if if at least Johnny is not the victim, they're both they're both bullies or or or, or victims. How we each other. Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. Um, that's that's crazy, man. And it's so funny when you uh when like. Now that you go into it from a different perspective, you can definitely see. And this is, I know we've been making fun of this and, and jokes, but you can, and then, you know, and we'll get in, we're reviewing the first two seasons of Cobra Kai, too. That's kind of how we're going to end this retrospective. Sure. Um, because I feel like that brings the story all together. But when you add in Cobra Kai and, and Johnny telling his side of the story, and then with us looking at it like this, like you can really see an aspect of this where they can, they could tell this, like they can, they could have done Karate Kid 1.5 from the point of view of Johnny, and Danny would have been the antagonist. Exactly, they they could do it, and and maybe maybe with all these psychologists coming coming up on light and saying like some of the stuff that they did said, maybe that gave the idea to make Cobra, you know, later make Cobra Kai because Cobra Kai is more Johnny's perspective and how his life turned after all that and whatever. But yeah, I mean that's my case on on Johnny. Tune into when we do the Rocky retrospect where I prove how Ivan Drago was the real real victim in Rocky Four. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> One hundred percent. Oh God! Now we're gonna have to do a Rocky retrospective. Um. <laughs> oh, oh man. So okay. So all all of this happens, and you know, throughout of this, we, we we get character building, right? We get Danny and Allie, uh, more of Johnny, um, and then we get into the 
training montage. We've always talked about our 80s training montages, bro. Yes. This has got to be one of the best ones ever, right, man? You're talking specifically the training montage. The training right? montage specifically. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the training montages are really good. Um, I like the one in the beach. There's a couple good ones. But later on, we're going to talk about the fight montage, which to me is probably one of the top two montages of any 80s movie but we'll get to that a little bit later but yeah the training montages specifically were were pretty good um also i wanted to talk a little bit about the characters themselves i wanted to get your take on not every character but just the main ones miyagi um daniel uh crease and johnny and ali well my here's my thing yeah and I've, i've had the same thought about back to the future in what day and age would you allow your teenage son to do so much hanging out with an old ass man? Okay, so I didn't be the, I didn't be the one to I didn't want to say this to sound like a fucking creep, but bro, as I was rewatching this, uh-huh. there are so many weird tendencies here, where like Miyagi comes off as like a predator, like. <laughs> No, I beat that ass, bro. I mean, I'm telling my wife, I'm like, yo, I would never, ever. I mean, like, he like when he gets beat up, he picks him up and then he takes him to his house and he's like rubbing him down. He's trying to give him something to drink. God knows what's in that drink. And I mean, like, there's so many different things that I was like, yo, this in 2020, this might be pushing a little bit. You can like, get away with it in 84. And, and, and it's even worse than Back to the Future because we'll talk. I know we reviewed that movie before, but we may eventually do a retrospective on it and talk about it more in depth. But seriously, like, I wouldn't say predator tendencies, but it's definitely some shit that'll make you as a parent question some things. Because, like, I'm we're sitting here watching this, right? And then, like, like even Miyagi, like, like making him do the wax on, wax off, and painting and stuff, and, like, leaving him for hours. Like, he started off painting the damn, uh, 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 uh what's the word? The, the fence in the right. daytime. It was at night. Like, who? Who has not checked on their kid that long? Like you, you allow your kid to stay with another grown ass old man for apparently at least six hours at a time without checking on them. That's weird. Well, let, let's not. I don't want to fast forward too much, but let's just really quick talk about Mrs. Larusso. Okay. First of all, yes. Number one, you're allowing your child to spend so much time with this guy. This guy, this is the maintenance man. It's not like some family member. It's a maintenance guy where you live. Number one. Mm-hmm. Number two. After only knowing Daniel for X amount of time, I mean, if you look at the timeline, they probably known each other from the time they met to the time of the um, to uh, the time of the tournament. We're talking, I would say, two months. So you telling me that your your son has met the maintenance guy, and in two months they're this close? Let's fast forward to Rocky uh, to Rocky to Karate Kid Part Two. Now you let your son fly all the way to freaking Okinawa. With this guy, he's only known for two months. And then let's fast forward to part three. Now you let your son stay with this guy forever as you decide to like just say, okay, whatever. Bad parenting, bro. Just bad parenting. Bro, she, she would, she, and this is going to take this this conversation to a whole nother level. Like, maybe that's why Danny was so upset. Maybe she likes sex traffic, Danny. You think? <laughs> So Miyagi was the pimp? No, I'm not saying to Miyagi. I'm saying before they, oh, oh. maybe that's why they had to move to California. Yeah, but if she was sex trafficking, she could have drove a better car, bro. I mean, not everybody is is good and they pimping, bro. Like that's all. <laughs> shit, look, pimping ain't easy <laughs> as it goes. But real talk though, like yeah, I mean it, it definitely is weird, man. When you think about it, like maybe she just didn't didn't want Danny low key, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Yo, that could 
be it for real, yo. I mean, and maybe that's why he's so angry. Maybe this whole time she just not has not wanted him. Um, what, or wanted looking to for be that, a parent, looking for that dick. Because <laughs> I think didn't Daniel's dad die? I think we learned I that in part so. two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think his dad. Yeah, his dad did die. So yeah, he was probably trying. She's probably trying that big stroke. All right, let's move on. Uh, we, so we've talked about we've that we've talked about Mrs. Larusso, uh, Mr. Mr. Miyagi. I really, I think we talked like I I get it, like the the characterization of the old wise Asian man, and we get that in a lot of movies, especially in in the in the eight seventies and eighties. Um, but I think the lessons that he did talk as, as creepy as like some of them is with the painting and stuff, like. He really did teach, De- calm Danny down and help him get centered, right? And that's like that, you know, Danny didn't have a father figure, so we kind of understand, like, why he attached himself to Miyagi so early on. Um, and, you know, Mr. Miyagi is one of the greatest, great characters that people, like, people. you can say Mr. Miyagi and people know exactly what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, can I tell a quick story? Sure. So, um, I don't know, because you grew up in so many different fucking countries. I don't know if, how much of this you watch. We're about the same age, but when you were growing up, did you ever watch Happy Days? Yeah, of course. So, for those who don't remember, Miyagi, uh, whose real name is Pat Morita, he was actually on Happy Days for a while. I don't know how many seasons, but the diner they used to hang out with, which is called Arnold's, he was Arnold. So... I just want to tell the quick story, um, and I remember seeing this this um, interview, and if I'm not mistaken, it may be on YouTube, but I don't know if it's still on. I saw it years ago. He was telling the story of how he got casted for Mr. Miyagi, and at the time, uh, for those who don't know, Jerry Weintraub, who's this you know big, iconic producer, was the one who produced this movie. He was looking for a Mr. Miyagi, and you know Pat Morita was interested in the role, and he was like. You like no, you're you, we, you're not even going to audition because he's a comedian. He was always a comedian, Mr. Yeah. and you can see stro- you know some of that in this movie because there, Mr. Maggie has some funny ass lines in his role, and he made it funny because in reality, Pat Morita is a comedian. So Jerry Weintraub was like, I don't even want you reading for this because we're looking for like a serious character, not like some comedian. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, the name of the director is uh, John Avilson, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, John out. Al- yeah. yeah, John Avilson. Uh, told him like, hey, I want you to come in and read for the part. So he came in, Pat Morita came in and read for the part. When he came in and read for the part, he was like, okay, thank you. In Pat Morita's head, he's like, I probably don't got this role. So he was leaving. Avalon said, hey, don't you want to take the script just in case? And he's like, okay, he'll, he'll take it. Weintraub was not having it. He did not want Pat Morita because of his background. One day they're in a meeting and Avalon decides, you know what? I'm going to play the tape. The casting tape. He plays it, and Weintraub is like, yo, who's that? That's the guy I want. He's like, yeah, that's the guy you didn't want to read. They end up, making a long story short, they bring in Pat Morita five more times to read. And at the end of the fifth one, Jerry Weintraub is like, Pat, I just really want to apologize. I almost made the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life. You have the part. You're Mr. Miyagi. And that's how he, that's how he got the role. And not only did was this an iconic role, he actually got nominated for an Oscar for this role too. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Shouts out, shouts. Out. That's that's deep, man. Um, next one, I guess. Since we talked about Miyagi, let's talk about Crease. Yes. What's your opinion um, on John Crease? He, I think he was uh, he was perfect. Uh, this is just a fun fact. Um, Chuck Norris actually was who they wanted to play this character, but Chuck Norris didn't want. He turned it down because he didn't want. He didn't want. Mar- a martial art teacher to come off as like a bad guy mm. so that's why he turned it down but i i enjoyed crease in this movie um he's an asshole and we later saw him in part three as an asshole and we later see him in Car- cobra kai as an asshole so he plays that asshole character 
perfectly. What did you think about him, though? Uh, I mean, he, he played the part perfectly. Like you said, to be an asshole, to be uh, – to kind of be the the ying to uh, Miyagi's yang, like as, as Miyagi's mm-hmm. teaching patience and everything, uh, Kreese teaches aggression, like snuffing them out and everything like like that. So I like the balance between those two characters um, a lot. And I think that I don't really like looking, go, going back around and just thinking about people that's, I'm like, I don't think Chuck Norris could even, like Chuck Norris is great, don't get me wrong, but I just, Chuck Norris, I don't think could have nailed in that asshole as much as, as Kreese did. I agree with yeah. you a thousand percent. I feel like J- Kreese just has like that asshole look. Mm-hmm. I don't think oh, Chuck Norris look, has that yeah. look. Yeah, the look too, like just the facial reactions that he had. So even like Miyagi coming in there and the kid, like everything about it was was perfect for what he did. Now, Cobra Kai, I, <laughs> you could tell he hadn't acted in a while when he came back to Cobra Kai, yeah. in my opinion. But, you know, in, in just this and what we're reviewing today, the original Karate Kid, he was great. Do you think there was a missed opportunity? I mean, I can see this going both ways. Do you think there's a missed opportunity with them not having Miyagi and Kreese actually get physical, even if it's like a quick 30 seconds with each other? I think so, especially because we see uh, Miyagi beat up some kids, like, right? And I get it. He beat up like four or five of them, which makes him like, but it would have been nice to see him and Miyagi tussle a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that definitely. But um, yeah, back to your original thing though. I, I think Crease was definitely perfect. I mean, all these people, and I know it's so easy to say this, and we say this probably every single time. It's so hard to see any of these characters played by somebody else. Like yeah. Daniel Larusso, they originally wanted Charlie Sheen who turned on the role, and Sean Penn who turned on the role. Oh Can you God, imagine? That was fucking horrible. Yeah, like I think Ralph Macho was the perfect guy, and let's free let like as a matter of fact that. Now that I think about it, Ralph Macho was probably the biggest actor in this movie because Pat Morita was just a small-time guy at this point. Yeah. Pat, uh, uh, Ralph Macho is coming off of Outsiders, which is freaking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And um, he was one of the stars uh, of Outsiders. So I, I can't see Charlie Sheen pay, playing this role or Sean Penn, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Charlie Sheen is great, especially in, like, comedic roles. But I just I sure. can't, I couldn't see him. I just I couldn't see him doing this. So yeah, yeah, same, same. Likewise, are you surprised that that Ralph didn't have like like a better career? Because when you think, I mean, he was in a lot of stuff as as a kid. The only thing that that really stands out to me that he did as an adult, other than Cobra Kai, was uh, my cousin Vinny. That's Which the only thing that I can remember hilarious. from as an adult. Like I just feel like, and I'm not gonna act like he was like amazing in any roles but like you would just think like like maybe some like home alone type roles he would have got cat but then again he was older by then so like i don't know man i just i'm just surprised he wasn't in more than than what he was in when he was still a kid also keep in mind how old do you think he was when he did this movie this came out in 84 four yeah even though I know he's supposed to be like like what sixteen or seventeen, right? Supposed to be sixteen. It wouldn't surprise me if he was like twenty. He was twenty two. Wow, he was twenty two. Yeah. Oh well, that he makes sense then. Like he 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 was very on the tail end of being cast as a kid then, so that makes sense. Yeah. So um, I'm just trying to look at his filmography here. Um, so the movie came out in eighty four. He did like some shit I've never heard about in between Karate Kid one and two. And then Karate Kid 3, and then he did My Cousin Vinny. And after that, like, I mean, Naked and You, I don't even know any of these. Popcorn Shrimp, what the hell is that? Beer League? I don't know any of this shit. See? Yeah, I don't know any of that. I mean, yeah, and he was in a bunch of TV roles, too, which I, I, in short things. But, yeah, I don't know what the hell happened to his career. 
Yeah, that's the, the got better agent. He needed a better agent, man. Or maybe that's, you know what, though, that's some, what it was. Some honestly, some people, especially when they're kids and they get into these franchises very early, some of them do like they just lose interest. Like he he jumped right into a franchise that was built around him, and they, they I believe like all the sequels were like every two years, which means if they were released every two years apart, he probably only had a break of like six months between filming each one of those. Yeah, because I mean, uh, 84, 86, and 89. Yeah. You know, so. th- that's the reason. And then in 92, he had My Cousin Vinny. Those were like his four biggest movies. But, um, you know, life is a funny thing because after that, he kind of went non existent. And look, he's right back in the spotlight now because Cobra Kai, mm. I mean, Cobra Kai has a huge following. We'll get into Cobra Kai, you know, in a few weeks, but they have a huge following. So his career is sort of revitalized. Yeah. And it's funny that Cobra Kai has such a huge following. And it's on it's streaming on YouTube for now. Like, could you imagine if it was on a bigger platform like Netflix? Could you just imagine I, like I don't know how accurate this is, but well, I know I read something about Hulu getting it, but just recently, like maybe a week ago, I, I saw someone post something about Netflix acquiring it. I know Hulu acquired it. I read that specifically. I'm not sure if Netflix got it now or it's I, I, I really don't know. But uh yeah, it's no longer on YouTube TV. Yeah, I mean this this thing and and, you know, they do have some language on YouTube, but even if it was, oh, I'm just, I just read it. Uh, Netflix acquired the first two seasons and will release okay. season three. So it's actually coming to Netflix, not Hulu. Gotcha. Okay. So I guess that must have, it must have changed at some point. That's wow. good, though. I'm glad. That's huge. Like, that's going to be huge for them. Um, but I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just, I, it's crazy. Like you said, how life works, how, like, this role has, it's this role. Like, he's mainly known for this role, and this is his role, and it's it's dope that he's able to continue that. I'm glad that yeah. when Cobra Kai was first announced, bro, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was the stupidest idea ever. It took me until, like, it was, like, a, a few episodes released, and then I watched, like, the first three all back-to-back, and I was like, I was so fucking wrong about this, man. Yeah, originally, when I heard the idea, I was happy initially that Karate Kid was coming back. But then when I read the synopsis, like, this is from Johnny's perspective. I'm like, what? Who gives a shit about Johnny? <laughs> like, we want Daniel. And, like, is Daniel, did Daniel and Ali get back together? Or, like, well, you know, we want that. And then, like like you said, like, I think after I saw, like, the second or third episode, I was like, Psh. And it, it was, like, it's one of my, one of my favorite um one of my favorite um, shows currently at the moment, and um, it was the it was the only reason why I kept YouTube TV to watch that. And now um, I no longer have YouTube TV, but yeah, I think it was pretty good. And like you said, uh, Ralph Macchio was big in Karate Kid. This is the here's a, here's a, a thing. How many scenes in Karate Kid, the the one we're reviewing right now, how many scenes does not include Ralph Macchio? It can't be more than two, bro. If even that. Zero. He's, He's in, in every, every scene. single scene That's in the movie. Crazy, every one of them. So that just goes to show you. Um, I do think, uh, while he's a star, I do think that it's shared with Mr. Miyagi, though, because you got to give that dude that dude his credit, man. Mr. Miyagi helped make this film. I, for me, Mr. Miyagi is, I like Mr. Miyagi more than I like Daniel. Yes, That's just me, me personally. For sure, for sure. Yeah. For sure. But let's get into what people want to hear us talk about. Yes. The fucking tournament. We got to get into it, bro. So... Also, let me just also make another point about about Daniel being an asshole. He entered this tournament. He doesn't even know the rules. Do you know you could physically hurt somebody without even knowing the rules? He entered a tournament that he didn't even know the rules on. Not only that, Miyagi stole the black belts from the guys. The guys, um, um, that that's that's theft. 
But yeah, everyone's gonna overlook that because he's a nice old. Man, but whatever. But yeah, the tournament. The tournament was done really well. Um, great choreography. I know the choreography had a lot to do with the referee in those matches. He's actually a student of Chuck Norris in real life. He was. So uh, he helped choreograph that. And also the guy who Johnny fought in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember what his last name was. I think it was Vidal. I think his name was Vidal, his last name. you could, He's the only other person that looked like he knew what he was doing when it comes to like martial arts. He also helped uh, choreograph that whole tournament. And can we please talk about the montage, which I think is probably outside of Rocky montages it's the best montage in any 80s film period the um you're the best montage this montage uh i would have to like you know rocky montages are a different breed and they're more physical for sure but this is if it's not the best it's definitely the most memorable for me um it was just and it's funny how much i remember it like going through and rewatching it i just i knew what was coming beforehand and i think that speaks to how great the montages are and when you when you can convey like the whole point of montages right are to convey a lot of story in a condensed period yes. of time and this does that excellently it, it, it execute like some montages become like this comedic thing or like this thing that you just use to fast forward thing like this is if you're going to teach someone how to properly execute, execute a montage this is this is one of the scenes that i'll definitely show them outside of the rocky series yeah, I mean, for me, montage, like you said, they're supposed to tell a story. And I think this told a great story. Mm-hmm. And there were some things where it, it was just, for me, it was just great piece of acting. I mean, basically what you see in this, mon- first of all, you're the best. I mean, that song is, first of all, the, the soundtrack for this, this, um, a lot, this may, a lot of people may not know this, but I'm a huge fan of 80s pop music. And the soundtrack for this film is outstanding. I mean, you have, you're the best, you have, uh, Cruel Summer. Um, there's a bunch of different songs. Um, actually, fun fact again, You're the Best was supposed to be the theme song for Rocky Three, and they turned it down for I the Tiger. So um, it was supposed to be for Rocky Three, but they turned it down. And at any rate, um, I just love the way the montage was done. It told the story of Daniel's uphill battle with go, going through Cobra Kai. Uh, you know, going through each member one by one by one, going through all the different members of Cobra Kai, getting leading up to Johnny. And also, there was this one scene that is so small, but I'm not really sure why I enjoyed it so much. And it was during the point where Johnny was fighting, I mean, not Johnny, but um, Daniel was fighting Dutch, the blonde-haired kid uh, who looks like he's 40. Um, and at one point, he gets hit in the face, and they do a zoom-in close-up of Mr. Miyagi. And Mr. Miyagi gives that look like, yo, you got this. And 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 obviously, Daniel wins a fight. But I, it was just a small little thing that I, I always I always love it when they show that montage mm-hmm. of that zoom-in. I just thought it was a nice piece of cinematography. That, and it's it's great um, just the way that it's shot. And it's uh, – it, it's, look, it, it's it's – stayed in our memory for fucking decades bro so um and it's part of the reason why people love this movie is that and you know they do a great job in building to it but and you know i think they tell they do such a good job at telling the story even before the tournament that you kind of you know it's coming right because they do it it's about like 30 or 40 minutes into the movie it's movies over two hours that mr miyagi challenges them and say they'll meet at the tournament but they tell so much between there that while the tournament is something off here we know we're going to get to you never are like let's just hurry up and get to the tournament when is the tournament happening because they tell a great story leading up to it i I absolutely agree i want to kind of rewind and obviously here on on film frequency we jump around all the time but there's one kind of important scene we didn't talk about but it kind of showed some acting chops 
from uh, from uh, Pat Morita, Miss Miyagi, and also a lot of the you know uh, producers and the director has gone out to say this this scene was the reason why he got nominated for the Oscar. Can you talk about the scene where he's drunk and and Daniel? Um, comes in and kind of this is the scene where you see like they have like that a different bond it's not just mm-hmm. student teacher it's more like father, father son, son where he's yeah. Dr- yeah he's drunk can you talk a little bit about that scene and what your thoughts were i mean that that seems powerful because it's like mr miyagi up until that point has has been seen as almost like this perfect person right and that's right. when we start getting in you know we get some of it more in karate is it two or three where we get more of two of his backstory yeah and so we that but that's the first peep into it and when you see Danny like how he goes into this nurturing mode for this person that he really honestly cares about it 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 makes me believe even more that he's been through some shit with his mom because where do you learn how to help somebody deal with the hangover by seeing him so uh, I think he's dealt with some shit but yeah it was it 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 makes you automatically realize that the bond between them like you said it isn't just student teacher it's that he has become Danny's father in a way it's a, it's a it's a that's when it it turns into he's not just looking out for Danny he's not just mentoring Danny this is now Danny's father for all intents and purposes yeah and you know you said something that I didn't really think about but that's a great point like Miyagi get to this point it's sort of like this perfect dude and this is kind of his first flaw not that there's anything wrong with what he did I mean he had a drink he got a little drunk whatever but this is kind of his first flaw and he, he tells the backstory of like oh he had a a wife and and uh I believe she was pregnant at the time. I don't remember. And um, they died during the whole the whole war, you know, because that was around Vietnam, Vietnam times. And mm-hmm. he lost wife and whatever. And then he came over to to United States or whatever. So it was cool to learn it. But, yeah, it was definitely, definitely an impactful scene, I think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Something that, but that I want to point out. Um I'll point it out at the end. Don't worry. Let's let's go back into it. So are we still in the What tournament? other scenes can we talk to? Are there any scenes before the tournament that stick out to you? Hmm. How about the social and I mean I, I didn't even think about it until now. How about the social dynamic? Because remember, Ali's like rich ritzy and Daniel comes from like Reseda, which is like, you know, it's you know, sort of a middle class, the lower middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, them projecting that a, 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 into this film, do you think that, that played a factor into anything or is that just a typical thing? I think that's just that's just there for people who pay attention to it. I don't think it really played into much. You? Yeah, no, I don't think so either. Um, I don't think so either. I think it was just put in the film just to put in the film because, oh, you know, he's on the other side of the tracks and she's ritzy. And, you know, it, there, there needs to be some sort of um, uh, conflict there because if they're both like from, you know, they both have money or they're both, you know, not wealthy or whatever, then mm-hmm. there is no conflict there. So and Johnny, as we know, he is from her neck of the woods. So obviously, um, you know, there's that conflict there as well. Okay. All right. What else do you want to what talk a, about with the tournament? What about oh, about the tournament? Uh, um, anything leading up to whatever you want to do. Well, I was going to ask you, what do you think about the training styles and the tra- I mean, I would have to argue and say the most notable line from this film it, where you hear all the time, number one would probably be wax on, wax off. Yeah. And number two would probably be suit the leg. Those are the two lines you hear and see all the time. Yeah. But what about the, what about the, uh, the, 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 the training techniques of Miyagi. By the way, that yellow card that he waxed, the production team actually ended up gifting Ralph Macho it yeah, after um yeah. after the movie was done. But what do you think about the whole training techniques? Uh, I mean, it highlighted the different teaching styles, right? And I right. think that's what it was supposed to be. But I mean, I don't really have much to say about the training techniques themselves. They were cool to see. It was it was a great way to like spend some time leading up to it. But you know, I mean, we what did you expect leading up to that? Like you expected their training to be completely different. So 
Yeah, but I mean, I remember the first time I watched it, though. I don't know if you, maybe you caught on to what was happening. Mm-hmm. I actually thought he was just using him to do all this shit. Yeah. I knew eventually he would train him, obviously. Yeah. But I thought he was trying to, like, break him into, like, humbling himself is what I originally thought. Yeah, me too. I, I, you, I think it was, and I kind of said it earlier, like, it was to calm him down. Like, John, Danny at that point had been so aggressive so like fed up and had that chip on his shoulder that the the training i thought before we knew what it what and how it built him as 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 a martial artist and strengthened certain parts of his body i really just thought it was a look you're a hothead right now if i was to teach you karate right now you will go and punch somebody the first time i teach you how to throw a punch and by doing this and teaching him these these seemingly mundane things it was like all right, you, you gotta, you just gotta calm yourself and humble yourself. But once we, it all comes together and we figure out the purpose behind all those tasks that he had him do, it was like, damn, that's smart. That's and deep as shit. Gotcha. What was your favorite fight in the tournament? And don't give, don't give the easy answer and say no, Johnny versus Daniel. No, no. Um, shit. Because that is the easy answer. I mean, I think that's the best. Like story wise, that's what we're trying to. Of get course. Up to. But um, other than that, let's say. I don't know, man. What was yours? I, I can't say if it was the best, but the one I enjoyed it was um, I don't even know not Dutch and not Johnny and not the kid that kicks him in the leg. The other guy, I don't know what the other guy's name is. Is that the one who was uh, Steve McQueen's son? No, that, Steve McQueen's son is Dutch. Okay, okay. He's yes, the guy yes. with the blonde hair that looks like he's forty. Okay. Uh, okay, so there's him, there's Johnny, and then there's the kid that got disqualified because he um he kicked him in the leg. Yeah. Not any of those guys. It's the other guy. This is the guy that actually I know we're, we're fast forwarding, but unfortunately he died a couple months ago in real life. Um, he was on Cobra Kai and he had cancer in Cobra Kai. He actually had co- cancer real life and uh-huh. also on the show and unfortunately he passed away. But anyway. His character in Karate Kid 1 was such a dick. He was the one that – he talked more than Johnny, and he was the one that was in the background during the fight. Like, yeah, put him in a body bag, Johnny. And when um, – he was the first guy that – of the main Cobra Kai characters that, mm-hmm. that uh, Daniel beat. But, yeah, I think I enjoyed that just because, you know, Daniel beat him. That's, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. They're, they're all good in their, in their different ways, right? Um, right. Yeah. One thing that uh, – <clears throat> I guess we need to wait to talk about because I want to talk about the crane kick because I know you have some shit to say about the crane kick. <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about leading up to the crane kick. Let's okay. talk about uh, Daniel gets kicked in the leg. Mm-hmm. They take him in the back. Miyagi fondles him a little bit and makes him feel better. What are your thoughts on any thoughts on any of that? My thing is, all right, so you're teaching this kid to suppress pain, right? Right. Well, now, what if he goes out there and fucks himself up even worse? Yeah. What if he had like a torn something? That has to be illegal too. That has to be. Yeah. Illegal. We're calling foul on that shit. But uh, exactly. <laughs> again, bad parenting because Miyagi's being a coach or a trainer, or whatever yeah. sensei. His mom is supposed to be like, "Yo, you're done." His mom doesn't even give a shit. His mom. Oh, his mom doesn't like. We we knew that early on, bro. She does not care. His mom he does not give a shit. Ask that trafficking check. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think about it though? About what the touch? Yes. Well, I mean that's what it was. <laughs> no, I thought it was cool, and then we kind of see it later on in Karate Kid Three. Um, we saw it earlier in the film when his hand, his shoulder was screwed up, yeah. and he did it. So eh, I thought that, that, that was uh, that was cool. Which yeah, is there's a lot of foreshadowing because there's actually a scene in which you can see the shower curtain costume that he wears. It's in yes. the background, like everything's there. So you know I've they did seen a lot this of movie a hundred million times, <laughs> and this. 
see through was the first time I realized that the shower curtain was in the back in the scene before. I yep. never realized that. Until, <laughs> that's why, even though you watch these movies a thousand times, sometimes you'll watch it and notice shit you didn't see the first million times. So yep. it happens to me all the time. When, when the scene with Mr. Miyagi and the pumpkins, the the shower curtain is right there behind him over yep. his right shoulder. Exactly. So, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, what did you? So let's get into the actual the the, yes. the the last scene, which was actually not supposed to be the last scene in this movie. It was actually no. supposed to end how Karate Kid Two began. Uh, was that was supposed to be the last scene of this movie? But they decided to end it the way that they did. But what did you think about like that last fight, Johnny, Danny? This is what we built up to. Yeah, I mean, finally, um, it you know it comes down to it. It's time for Johnny to get his comeuppance. And and for those who don't know, in the eighties, Johnny was the perennial heel. A perennial bad guy. He he's a bad guy here. He's in a bad guy in another flick. I can't remember summer summer school. I don't remember the name of the movie. And also, just one of the guys. I don't know if anyone you know if you've ever seen that. Um, it's one of my favorite movies from the eighties. But he was a bad guy in that as well. He plays the same character in all three movies where he's just a high school kid that's bad. Uh, that's a bully. But at any rate, um. Yeah, I thought the movie was good. Uh, not the movie, but the fight was good. And, and everything building up to this was good. And the ending was great. I love the fact that Daniel beat him and then finally got Johnny respect. You see Johnny gave him the trophy. And he's like, good match, LaRusso. You're all right. So I, I like the whole combination. And like, yeah, like you said, it was supposed to end. They were supposed to carry uh, Daniel off. Like the crowd was supposed to carry him off and then go into the how Karate Kid begun. But they thought going to Mr. Miyagi was a better ending. So, yeah. yeah. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think would have been a better ending? I don't know. I think I think that they made the right decision. I think that this was the better ending. Um, and you know, not that they ended it that way because they planned to do the sequel because they didn't know if they were going to be able to get a sequel Correct. or not. But you know, I, I really think ending it on that sign of respect. Um, that's ultimately what I think when you t- when you have two two people who like have been at odds the whole movie and they can end it respecting one another it's it's always going to be a good message um and then mr miyagi come on now mr miyagi's fucking amazing like he is he's he's like you said he is even though uh ralph is in ralph or danny's in every scene like you said which i didn't know mr miyagi is just even in scenes he's not in like his teachings form Dan- change danny so much that his presence is felt even when he's not in the scene yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. I agree. I mean, it, as much as this was Ralph Macchio's movie, this was uh, Pat Morita's movie as well, yeah. definitely. Uh, he actually, you know, the logo that Dan- Daniel had, the, the, the bonsai with the sun? Mm-hmm. Pat Morita actually designed that himself. That was oh, really? his original creation, yeah. So um, definitely they go hand in hand, you know, 100% they go hand in hand. That's what's up. That's what's up. Um, but one thing that I do want to point out, uh, well, we got to get into the crane kit. So finally. Yes. Should Danny had been disqualified? Well, why? Because it was a uh, it was a face kick. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Because how many times throughout this movie has someone gotten hit in the face yeah, throughout true. the whole tournament? True. So, no, it is an illegal hit though. <laughs> um, it is an illegal hit. So no, but I don't know. That's a weird one. But w- the one thing I have to say about the crane kick is off this movie. That's like the most recognizable thing. Like, how many? TV shows have you seen where like someone's going to fight and as a mock they do the crane. Yeah. I've seen that thing like a thousand times in different movies, different TV shows, like Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Will used to do it. Um, and so many different. I can name so many different um, examples. It's such this like iconic moment. And also the way the scene was done again. I love the way the scene was done because at this point. Daniel is, doesn't know what to do. He's lost two straight points. He won the first two or lost the last two. It's not the last point. He just got hit in the face. He's in pain. He can barely walk. He doesn't know what to do. 
in his head, he's like, you know what? I'm going for the crane kick, but he's still hesitant. And he looks over at Miyagi. And if you look, there's a subtle, like, him shaking head, like, no, I don't think I should do this. And Miyagi subtly nods and is like, yeah, fucking do it. Yeah. And he does it. So, again, another bit, beautiful piece of cinematography there. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I want to point out to you with this is there was actually an unfilmed scene in which, do you know about this one? With Johnny, is it the put, alternate Johnny, Johnny put the pie in, in, in Danny's seat in the lunchroom. No, so, no, I didn't. So that that would have made it more even on Johnny actually being more of an antagonist. He actually slipped pie under underneath Danny's seat right before he sat down, and he got covered in blueberry pie, and so he got embarrassed. At what that point in the film was this? This was you know? after. Um, this was actually in the same uh, in the seat that Danny bought lunch for Allie. So that's how that scene was supposed to end. I don't remember that. Uh, um. Okay, but um. Yeah, I remember. This is after. This is before That's the, the first Halloween day stuff. Yeah, that, that was the first. Day, it's the same scene in the first day of school. So this would have been gotcha. at, when he bought lunch and after the whole soccer thing. But I just wanted to point that out. I didn't know if you knew that or not. But so th- they they actually remove scenes in which it made Johnny seem like he was more antagonistic. I I really have have the writers said anything like as far as you know that they wanted Johnny to see to for it to be able to be looked at that way. Or did it just happen that way? No, they never said anything, but I'm sure they're loving it because the fact that people are just talking about nonsense like that, yeah. which it is nonsense, obviously, but um, there is a point to be made about it. Um, I, I joke about it, but there is a, a strong point to be made, but I'm sure the directors are loving the fact that people are doing, whole, you know, talking about that. A whole that. TV show built off the fact that, like, if they would have made, just imagine, if they would have made Johnny more antagonistic or more of an outright villain where you didn't even have that crease where you can say, oh, well, I was just defending myself for XYZ. We wouldn't even have Cobra Kai. Just imagine that, bro. Yeah. Also, another thing I, I want, because you just made me remember something. Let's not forget, Johnny also is under a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. He's a senior in high school, and he doesn't have the best of freaking teachers because Chris is just fooling his, his head up with shit. So, you you know, you can't really blame him too much. Also, do you think it's kind of crazy they didn't capitalize off of making an actual Cobra Kai dojo? Like, a, a you know, a school? Or do you think because they were portrayed so horribly, it would have been a bad idea? It probably would have been a bad idea. And then who's who's to say like who would have owned the rights and X Y Z? Like, yeah, no. <laughs> but that's it, bro. We did it. We reviewed Karate Kid one. We still got uh, three more episodes in this uh, in this retrospective to do because we're doing Karate Kid two, Karate Kid three, and Cobra Kai seasons one and two before season three debuts on Netflix. Like, good first episode. Do you want to give it a rate? Should we even rate something that's as iconic as this? I don't think so, bro. Because it's gonna be like nines and tens across the board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think what what will be better is if you even have one. Can you tell me what your favorite line in the movie is and your favorite scene in the movie is? Mm. I would say my favorite line is probably "sweep the leg," only because of how iconic it's become yeah, i mean they have yeah. shirts that say for christ's yeah, sake yeah that's, so probably, that's probably the favorite line my favorite scene though is definitely him on the beach um like the when he's doing the, the, the practicing yeah 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 that's definitely a good scene um probably my favorite my favorite thing in the movie and there's a lot but i i have to say that the um you're the best uh montage which i still feel is the best montage outside of any rocky movie um probably ever forget 80s just ever i i really really enjoy that montage yeah. um yeah so i would say that's probably the, my best scene here there you go well 
uh, and we're not giving it a rating. So we're done this week, bro. Like this is I'm really looking. I'm really excited for this uh, series. Like I'm glad we decided to do it. It's long overdue. Me too. And now, like, I kind of like I'm already like wanting to do, be like, when's the what's the next one? Because I love these retro movies, especially ones like this, bro. These are, and the, I don't know about you, but the response that I got, people were like, D, like DMing me and saying, oh, and tell me about different scenes, and even on our on our Facebook group, people were like commenting. People are like, this retro nostalgic shit. People love, man. Yeah. Always. You know, we may have to like like, and think me. You've talked about it, like once a month. It's it's difficult to do like four episodes four episodes like the only reason we're able to do that now is because there are no new movies being released but once we get back to business as usual i wouldn't mind as a bonus episode doing one retro review a month exactly and we kind of talked about something like that and there's been like movies come out so quick and so fast that you're doing all you try to do all the new movies to you know kind of do the new stuff and then you kind of forget the retro but i think now if any is probably a good time to start because we're not really getting new movies as much anymore so maybe we can knock out some of those and then when the new movies are released again then yeah we can go to that once a month i think yeah yeah so be on the lookout for that um i'm definitely down for that i love doing retros you know that's something that you know not a lot of people do retros all the time especially like now if this was normal before covid we, there's no way because this would have been in the middle of summer blockbuster season there's no way we probably could yep. fit something in like this so we will after this retrospective make it a uh, a point to do one retro, retro and it, uh, as a bonus episode so you still get your weekly episodes your four episodes and then we'll do it as a bonus it may not be as long as this one or as in depth but We'll do retro movies once a month. Let's do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's it, bro. This has been another episode of the Film Frequency Podcast. JB, go ahead and give them your social media so they can follow you. I can be reached on Twitter at T-H-E-P-1-J-B. That's at T-H-E-P-1-J-B. And, of course, I can be reached on Facebook, Javid Bashrula. You can follow me at CEO Hayes, C-E-O-H-A-I-Z-E. You can follow us collectively at the Film Bros Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, thefilmfrequencypod at gmail.com. And lastly, the creme de la creme go to facebook and type in the film frequency and join our our facebook group um where we talk about tv and movies and this great stuff we're gonna have more content there you know we may even uh we're starting to do some watch parties i think we're gonna we're planning to do a watch party of karate kid 2 uh with the group so you want to be there uh and just be a part of that but we're gonna we're gonna we, we were on that path before covid and i think you know Stuff got us off track, but we're going to do more live, like live streaming to the Facebook group as a benefit of being a part of that group. Um, so, yeah, definitely check that stuff out. Check it all out or we will sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. We out this bitch. Peace. <laughs>